Hello friends and welcome to the podcast. We're in season one. We are going to look at a bunch of stories of people's prayer lives who have ushered in a move of God. A move of God in a nation and a city, but also a move of God in places like a school, a university and a workplace. As we contend for revival in our generation, these people have inspired my own prayer life and encouraged me to contend in prayer for revival in our cities and nations. It's my prayer that in the moment when perhaps we feel unmotivated to pray or we wonder if God is even listening, that the stories of these powerful yet very ordinary people will inspire us to continue to pray, to contend for encounters with Jesus and to walk in His power in our everyday lives. I'm your host Erin Planner and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. And first of all, before we jump into this episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to um, each of you for giving me time in your ears uh, during your week to listen and for giving some such encouraging feedback. It's been so awesome to hear how the Lord has been using uh, these testimonies just to encourage you in your own prayer life and uh, yeah, what God is doing through it. I've been super encouraged. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to each of you who's joined on this journey. There is so much in our lives that is competing for different things. And I just, I don't take it for granted that you spend time in your week listening to this. And I pray that today's episode is just as encouraging to you all. Um, In this episode, we are going to look at the power of consistent prayer and intercession. Uh, Many, many churches, including uh, my very own Numa Church, we have uh, 24-7 prayer happening. Sometimes uh, churches call it like a prayer chain where people sign up for an hour or two or three, depending on how eager you are, an hour for prayer on a regular basis to cover all the 24 hours in a day and to cover every day for seven days of the week. With 168 people, that's not a lot of people if you are in a, in a reasonable sized church, uh, 168 people, a whole group or a whole city or a whole uh, church can be covered in prayer consistently all the time, completely around the clock. Um, and, and just think about what that can do in the supernatural realm, what that can actually activate with consistent prayer that is happening for a group of people or for a church or for a city 24-7. You're going to hear about a testimony of exactly what did happen when something like that got started. And one of the early examples of the power of a group praying together in this committed way uh, we see in a people group called the Moravians. Uh, The Moravians are said to be the first 24-7 Protestant prayer movement and one of the first Protestant missionary movements as well. And I think that that's awesome because prayer, we know that, or I think I've shared with you before that one of my core convictions is that it is impossible for us to pray and nothing happen. I just have that core conviction that I I really do believe that it's impossible for us to pray and nothing happen. Um, when we pray the heart of God back to him in 1 John 5, 15 to 16, it says that we can be assured that we will have all that we ask if we are asking according to the will of the Father. And that is exactly what some of these guys, you'll see the testimony of, of that very thing. But it's not a prayer unto itself but prayer that activates something. Um, We've had different examples of that on the podcast. And this one 
is a prayer movement that activated a movement of missionaries, which is so cool. So who were the Moravians? So the Moravians were a Protestant group. They were originally from the Czech Republic, and they basically fled persecution in the Czech Republic and fled to Germany. Uh, There is an amazing guy. His name is awesome. His name is Count Zinzendorf. Love that. It sounds like it's something from Cinderella or some kind of like Disney movie, Uh, but it's not. It's a real person. Um, And Count Zinzendorf, actually, uh, he was sort of thought of a little bit like the rich young ruler who said yes, not the rich young ruler who said no, but the rich young ruler who said yes. And uh, he was a man of social standing. He was a a man of financial means. Um, He had quite a, a significant property. And when he was 27 years old, he opened his home and took in um, one single Moravian refugee. So he had property in Germany, had means in Germany, and he took in one of these uh, Moravian refugees that were coming from the Czech Republic that had been persecuted, that were under religious persecution. That's why they left. Uh, Before long, Count Zinzendorf found himself with not one Moravian, but actually 300 Moravian refugees living on his estate. And he basically became like their spiritual leader. And I think that's a beautiful testimony just to see what can happen with one with one yes to one person. Um, so he now finds himself on his estate um, with 300 of these Moravian refugees uh, living uh, in a village. They're basically based in a village called, I think it's pronounced Hernut. You can correct me if your German is better than mine. I'm open to that. Um, and basically under the leadership of Zinzendorf, the Moravians um, got together and prayed. They studied the word of God and they grew spiritually. So they are like their own little faith community happening uh, in this place in Germany. Uh, and on August 12th in 1727, so we are talking about the 1700s here. That's probably a good thing to note. Um, the Moravians conducted an all-night prayer meeting. So the group decided to start a prayer vigil and they designated a place of prayer in the village and they prayed in groups of two or three for one hour increments. So they broke up into smaller groups and then uh, every hour there would be a different change out of two or three people would come. They'd swap out from the people who were praying in that specific place and there'd be a a fresh group of people. So they did this uh, every hour for the 24 hours. And that prayer meeting that they started uh, continued more than the 24 hours. The Moravians ended up filling the 168-hour time slots with two or three people for 24-hour prayer for the seven days of the week. They had constant prayer happening in that place. The interesting thing is that that prayer meeting continued for over 100 years, which is absolutely incredible. Um the Moravians, their hearts started to burn uh, with the things, the specific things that God was putting on their heart. So they started off with a small group of people uh, that were happy to fill 160 slots for seven days and built up to a place where the hunger and the passion uh, for what God was putting on their heart in prayer just continued and they continued to pray for over 100 years. So as they're starting to um, pray, the Lord starts to put things are, are burning on their hearts. Um, they started. He started, in fact, to put people groups on their hearts, people groups from completely different places, um, not from Germany, from all over the world. 
And over a 15-year period, this small group of 300 Moravians sent out 70 missionaries who went and lived among unreached people groups. They learned their language and their culture, and they shared the good news about Jesus. Isn't it amazing what can happen when the people of God get together to pray? And I just love that um, they didn't get together with an objective or some um, mission specifically. They just got together to seek the heart of God. And then God told them what was on his heart instead of, I think, sometimes in prayer meetings, we come to God with what's on our heart um, instead of asking the Lord, what is actually on his heart? What does he want us to pray about in this corporate prayer meeting? Or what does he want to pray, want us to pray for in our 24-7 prayer chain at our local church? Um, or maybe we have a, a 24-7 prayer chain within a group of people, but what is it on the Lord's heart? Um, because God... God will empower what it is that he's asking us to pray for. We just hear his heart and pray his heart back to him. And that's exactly what they did. So over these 15 years, they sent out over 70 different um, missionaries to all different countries in the world. And just 300 people started a real movement in this space. Uh, one of the churches that Mo- that the Moravians then started from this prayer movement then themselves sent out 200 missionaries. Um, from this one prayer meeting, uh, some of the people that were sent out were set on fire and just really had unique um, ways that they impacted the world. And I mean, I just encourage you to go into some of that and in research in your own time, but the impact that they had was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, one of the mission, one of the Moravian missionary teams voluntarily sold themselves into slavery so that they could identify with slaves and share the gospel with them. Um, this is not, uh, these are not prayer meetings where there is a comfort. This is not a prayer meeting um, where there is any kind of boredom or religious duty. Um, these are people who are getting set on fire so much so that they sell themselves into slavery so that they could reach a people group. Um, I was just listening to a testimony recently from uh, IRS Global Ministries that is a missionary movement led by Heidi and Roland Baker. And there was a girl who um, was seeking the Lord in prayer and the Lord told her to go to Sudan. And she barely knew where Sudan was and uh, she Googled and found one missionary that was working in there um, that was actually part of Iris Global Missionary uh, Group and it was during the time where there was a, there was a lot of war and conflict and death happening in that, in that place. Um, some of you might be aware of what happened in Sudan. And uh, she had such the conviction of God that that was where she was meant to go, um, that it didn't matter what it looked like on the outside, that that was where she was meant to be, that she flew into that place. I think that she actually had to have like military help um, to get to where she was going because of the amount of conflict um, that was happening. But this is an incredible, I mean, we're not mucking around here with a prayer meeting. When people are selling themselves into slavery or they're going to places where they are risking their own lives to share the gospel, um, this is a prayer meeting that has uh, the holy fear of God uh, present. Um, I don't know what we would even have maybe as an equivalent in the Western world to something like that. Maybe it is going to the places that are the darkest in the world 
um, giving up all that we have. But this person literally gave up their own freedom. Um, so much so were they slaves for Jesus Christ that they became slaves in the natural world. Um, oh man, my heart just burns hearing that testimony and thinking how far that we we have um, to enter into places of prayer like that where where we become so consecrated to the will of God uh, that we would forgive our own our own uh, our own wills and therefore our own freedom to do the very thing that we have been praying to God to do, that we ourselves come to become the prayer, right? That's the goal. Um, we pray the far, we pray the Lord's prayer to become the prayer to then fulfill the prayer. Uh, prayer meetings are not prayer meetings unto themselves. They're not there to pray. We are praying in a way that we are activating uh, things within the spiritual realm to see God's will be done. But sometimes in that space, we are also praying to become the very prayer that we are praying. We sometimes are praying for things that then the Lord is actually equipping us to go and do. We are sometimes the very answer to our prayers. And in this case, uh, this gentleman who sold himself into slavery to go and share the gospel with slaves has become the answer to his own very prayer. This is some powerful, this is some powerful prayer. This is some kind of prayer that we should have a fear of God, uh, not a fear of man, but a fear of God in. Um, they were so filled with the spirit of missions, uh, which is the spirit of God himself, right? His self-sacrificing love. The Moravian, Moravian brethren led by Zinzendorf were responsible for some of the most inspiring and sacrificial stories of mission history. And yeah, I invite you to even just Google some of what that is because there are a lot of testimonies about what the Moravians did. The Moravians are credited, um, some say, with starting the modern missionary movement and the fruit of their labor in the number of people that they sent out is absolutely phenomenal. Count Zinzendorf said this, I have but one passion, it is he. It is he alone. The world is the field and the field is the world. And henceforth, that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. I love that he says, but I have one passion and it is he and he alone. I have one passion that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Um, there is one thing that he is seeking that we are seeking Jesus himself. Um, it's such a, a passionate cry to just hear the Lord, hear his heart for something, um, come to our moments of prayer and our moments of corporate intercession, just seeking God and God alone, seeking Jesus and Jesus alone, seeking the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone, um, not coming with any agendas as we come together, um, but just asking God what is on his heart, what is his will um, for our church? What is his will for our city? What is his will for um, our lives? What is his will for our family? What is on the heart of God? And I just think that alone is incredible that when that when we can, we can actually come to the creator of the universe, we can come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we can come to God Almighty and that he would tell us what is on his heart. Um, for P, I, I don't ever find prayer uh, boring in any way, shape or form because uh, you come to a place where the Lord shares with you what is on his heart and and Holy Spirit, help us to not become over familiar with the fact that we have God himself that would share the very ponderings and the very yearnings and the very longings of his own heart with us mere mortals, that we would be able to pray these things back to him and that he would then be able to activate um, and and send the spirit of God and 
and armies of angels to do the very thing that is on his heart, to see those prayers fulfilled. I just think that is the most phenomenal thing. I just think prayer is the most phenomenal thing. And then I think about that's the power of one person praying. But if we think about the the power of of people praying around the clock, of having a city covered in constant 24-7 prayer, seeing prayers that are rising up in our native tongue, but also in tongues, which is the native prayer language of God, the, the, the language of the Spirit, um, of us praying back to the Father for 24-7, for, for 24-7 that there is constant prayer arising over our city, that there is constant prayer arising over our families, that there is constant prayer arising over our church, over the banner of Numa Church 24-7. What could possibly be done? What would be happening? What would the Lord be doing um, as we just lift up constant intercession to him? If we are constantly seeking his heart and praying it back to him and seeing him action things, what would happen if we could actually join together as a body and do that and see prayer arise, what actually could happen if we constantly lift up God's heart, if we're constantly seeking him and him alone for 24-7 around the clock? We have locations that are in San Francisco. We have locations that are in Bangkok. We have locations that are in Perth, Hobart, uh, Sunshine Coast, uh, Melbourne, Hobart. Uh, We have we have almost like a 24-7 clock of locations. There's always someone who's awake uh, in Numa Church. And so I just think the power of what that could mean, not just for our cities, not just for the nations of this world. Oh, bang, yeah, what could it mean for even our families? Um, imagine if as parents, you know, the things that keep you awake at night, if you could imagine there is someone right now, you can go to sleep and there is somebody in a location like Bangkok or San Francisco who is awake, who is interceding and praying for every church family who calls Numa Church home. What could that mean? How much peace could be spread amongst the minds of our people? How much miracles could be released even as we're sleeping, that God, as we commit things to you while we sleep, that someone else over somewhere else is lifting that up in intercession. Wow. Um, the power of 24-7 prayer. And I think the Moravians tapped into something like this, that there was a mission, uh, there was there was something that God had for these people. There was a special mission anointing that they had. They wouldn't have gone into that knowing that that's what, that's what God had for these people. They just came seeking him and him alone. That's it. And then the will of God is unfolded. The Lord God Almighty himself says, hey, this is what I've got for you guys. This is what I'm calling you to. Ask of me and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and keep knocking um, and the things of the Lord will be unfolded. And so my exhortation, my encouragement and my heart from from hearing this testimony is um, what could actually happen if we as a church family um, could join together, if everyone who called Numa Church home could just for one hour just one hour a week, one hour a week could dedicate themselves to praying for us as a community, as a church community, as a community of faith, um, as an apostolic church. What could happen if just for one hour we all committed to be praying for our community? Um, I just I just think that truly God is an Ephesians 3.20 God, that he would do up and beyond, beyond what even we could think, hope, or imagine. Um and what could actually break out of that within our families, um, for our children, for the next generation, for the cities, for our community groups, for the businesses um, that are represented within our church, for all sorts of things. Um, 
And so I just, I'm going to pray for us. And, and I encourage you, like if you are part of Numa Church, um, I just encourage you to, to seek and ask the Lord what that means for you. But jump on, on our website where you can, you can sign up for 24-7 prayer. Um, and if we all just committed to that, I, I really truly believe that there would be a bomb in the supernatural realm that would go off, that there would be things that would start to shift and shake. And, and we would be able to embrace the mystery of the Lord in that. We don't always know exactly what it is that we're praying for, but we do know that when we are praying that the Lord is listening and that he is answering. Um, and so I would just, yeah, even encourage us to embrace the mystery of God, um, to embrace interceding and praying for a community. We aren't always going to see the one thing breakthrough, but when we hear a testimony of something that's happened in another location or in another place, um, to be knowing that, this, that the prayers that we are lifting, the intercession that we are lifting, it's all adding up. It's all adding together. It's all filling that bowl of intercession um, on behalf of one another. Uh, as we see God move in all different ways in all different spaces. And so, God, I just pray for every person who's listening, whether it's in, whether somebody who calls Numa Church home or another person who calls church home somewhere else, God. And I just pray, Lord, that um, that we would know that as we lift prayer, as we fill the bowl of intercession, God, as we as we pray for more than just ourselves, as we seek you and you alone, Lord, as we fill the bowl of intercession over our country, over our cities, over our nations, over the churches of Australia, over the churches of the world, over the church, over the body of Christ globally, God, I thank you that you hear every prayer, that there is not one prayer whispered, either in the in our hearts or out loud, that you are not aware of and that you do not hear. And I thank you, God, that we can seek your heart, that we can actually know the mind of Christ, that we can know the heart of our Father in heaven. That is absolutely mind-blowing, God. And I pray, Lord, that where we have become familiar with you, that where you are a, you are a relational God, but where we have become familiar with the fact that we can sit down and in a second the Lord God Almighty would meet us in prayer. That, God, you would help to bring that revelation afresh to us, God, that we are completely undone by you, that we are completely undone, that, that, the, that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Lord of lords and our God Almighty would come and sit with us and that we would have an audience with you at any given moment of any day in any place. That God, that is astounding in itself, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that you share your heart with us, that you share the things that are on your heart, that we can not only bring the things that are on our heart, but that you share your heart with us, God. And I pray, Lord, that, yeah, just any familiarity that comes, and it comes, that it comes to all of us, God, and there's no shame in that. But the Lord, afresh, that you would just... Um, we would just enter into the awe and the and the wonder and the space that you would lift us up, that in dreams and visions that you would show us things that are on your heart, God, that we may pray your heart back to back to you, that we would see those things done is is absolutely awe-inspiring, God. And I pray, Lord God, that there would be a heart of intercession that would arise among your people. That God, that your church, that the the church. God, an almighty mantle of intercession would fall upon her in this time. That, God, it would not be difficult to gather together people, 168 people that would pray for an hour, that would cover that for an hour a week, would seek your face, would sit in an audience with the King, that would hear your heart and that would pray it back to you, God. That that is something so beautiful, that that is something so incredible that we would be able to take part in God. And so I pray, Lord, that you would even uh, fall upon as we listen to you, that, God, our hearts would 
burn for it. That God, we would be able to share this. That God, you would do something inside of us. That Lord, it would be something that we would be able to share with friends and family. That there would be an intercession call that echoes out through our life, God. That we would be able to share the awe and the wonder that it is to sit with you in prayer. And that God, a mighty mantle of intercession would fall upon the church in this hour, God. That it would be a time where, where generations would be represented. That those from the oldest to the youngest, God, would be called into a place to seek your face, to be able to hear your heart and to be able to uh, pray your heart back to you that we would see those very things done. And so, God, I just thank you, Lord, for people who come into prayer for the rest of this week, for the rest of this month, that, God, that you would share your heart openly in a way that maybe they've never heard it before. And that, God, we would feel such a satisfaction in intercession, such a satisfaction to sit in the throne room of our King, to hear your heart and to pray those things back to you. God, I pray, Lord, there would be a satisfaction to pray for things that we would never see, to pray for things that would come in generations, to pray for things that happen on the other side of this world that we would that we would never know, that the satisfaction will come in hearing your voice and praying your heart. So, Lord, I just pray for a fresh anointing, and for the uprising of intercession and intercessors. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.